Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. Hey, I hope you're all ready for the Word after that great time of worship and having communion. Today we're going to talk about thinking God's thoughts towards yourself. We're going to read Jeremiah chapter 1, and we're going to see what Jeremiah has to say about our condition. So God, we pray in Jesus' name that your Spirit would breathe through us and that the Spirit of God would teach us the Word of God. And so we're going to jump to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. And this is showing the calling of Jeremiah, who is one of the major prophets of the Bible. You have Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, who have a major part of the Scriptures in the Old Testament. And it says, The word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah 1, 4, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I set you apart, and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations, my God. And so right there, we see that God knew Jeremiah even before his mother knew him. Before you were in the womb, I knew you. And if that's the case for Jeremiah, it certainly is the case for all of you. God knew us before we were born. It tells us in Ephesians 1 verse 4 that God chose you and me before the foundation of the world. So before he said, let there be light, and there was light, before he made Adam, before he made the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the trees, and every creeping thing, he already knew you, and he knew me. And why did he know us? He says, before you were born, I set you apart, meaning God gave us a purpose. Then he backed up and gave us a physical body. So your purpose was manifest in God's heart and mind even before you had a human body. And then he said, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, not everybody is called to be a prophet to the nations, but everybody has a particular assignment. So my objective today in this particular word is that we would discern how to hear God's voice. We would start thinking of ourselves the way God does and that we would have an understanding of the assignment God has given us in this world. And uh, it's important to ask yourself the following questions. Do I have a sense of God's call in my life? If not, am I surrendered to the will of God? The third question to ask is, do I really want to know God's will, or do I just want to do my own thing? So as we continue on in this story, Jeremiah was appointed as a prophet to the nations. Now, primarily his call as we unpack the book of Jeremiah was to Israel and Judah, those two nations. They were once one nation, and at that point they were a divided kingdom. And uh, even though he was called primarily to those two nations, we also see him giving prophetic words to other countries like Babylon and Egypt, Edom and other nations. And so he was called to be a prophet to the nations. And we're going to see later on how God pivoted much of human history based on what he spoke through the prophet Jeremiah. So we're also going to see the, the power that God has invested in the church legislatively, even by releasing prophetic words and prayers and even 
preaching, God does things in the atmosphere and releases the angels to put things in order so that we could tear down and build up kingdoms based on what the word of the Lord wants to do in the earth. You might say, what he, why doesn't he just do it without us? Well, because the Bible says that because it was man who sinned and sin entered the world through men, it is through a man that life comes. So God has limited what he does on the earth to human beings. And so whatever he wants to do, he starts doing it through the church and through us when it comes to the redemptive story of human history. And so what was Jeremiah's response to this? He said, I don't even know how to speak. Wow. And so oftentimes we limit the Holy One. We limit God. God has a vision for you and a vision for me that is greater than we could ever imagine, greater than we could ever dream. And yet sometimes we cap our own life because of our stinking thinking. So we need to get into the scriptures. We need to let God change the way we think, not only of the world, but of ourselves so that we could you know, make the ceiling higher so we could take the bottleneck off. And through our thinking, we could actually limit what God has planned for us. And he says his plan and the fact that he knew us before the foundation of the world, before we were in our mother's womb, before our mother knew us, before we were manifest physically, he knew us, which means that even before you knew Christ personally as Lord and Savior, you probably had gifts that were being manifest skills, the way God hardwired you, your personality. There were certain things that you knew and did intuitively, subconsciously and consciously, even before you knew Christ. But when Christ comes in your life, he redeems all your gifts, maximizes them to the extent that you seek him and obey him. And so that means even before you knew Christ, you could look at the timeline of your life and have an idea of what God has been doing since you were born. And so Jeremiah's answer was that he limited God. He says, I don't even know how to speak. And then he said, I'm too young. Well, do you know that Jesus was a millennial when he started his ministry? Do you know that the apostles originally were probably in their late teenage years? Uh, today, that would be Generation Z. And so God changed the world with people that were younger than 30 years old. Isn't that amazing? And he called this major prophet, Jeremiah, who was going to influence the whole earth when he was still a youth. We don't know how old he was. Most likely he was uh, in his teens. Maybe he was in his early 20s, but he was very, very young. And so the Lord said, do not cap yourself. Do not limit yourself. Verse 7, he said, do not say I am too young. You have to watch your words. You have to say what God says about you. You have to get into the word. You have to know what God thinks of you and thinks of his body. He said, you must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them because I am with you and I will rescue you. Isn't that amazing? So our adequacy comes from God, not from us. And the problem is when we limit God, we disobey God out of fear, out of insecurity, out of a low self-esteem, out of psychological bondage, whatever it is, we could actually disobey God 
not because God hasn't empowered us, but because of our unbelief, we, we actually stop God from moving in our life. So God wants to do great things through every single person. He wants to turn the whole world upside down. He called the church the light of the world and the salt of the earth, and that means you and that means me. He has great hope for every local church. He has great hope for every leader. He has great hope for every parent, every mother, every father, every student. He has entrusted the gospel, the advance of his kingdom to you. Whoever is listening to this online, whoever hears the sound of my voice, you should just point to yourself and say, he has entrusted the advance of the gospel to me. And the reign of his kingdom is manifest through obedient Christians. And so Jeremiah was rebuked by God when God told him, don't say what you just said. Don't say I'm too young. And then he said in verse 8, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you. So it reminds me of Psalm 23 when David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because God is with me. The reason why we're not to fear is not because we're so strong, so smart, so great, or because the person we're praying for is going to get elected. No, the only guarantee of our safety is that God is with us. Wherever you are, say after me, God is with me. God is with me. Romans 8, it says, if God is for me, who could be against me? That's something we have to constantly speak. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. God is with me, who can be against me? I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The things that God has called me to do, I could do because he gives me strength. And so he rebuked Jeremiah. He said, don't be afraid of them. So fear is not an excuse because God is with us. And he said, I will rescue you. And then verse 9, it says, and the Lord stretched out his hand and touched his mouth and said, I have put my words in your mouth. So today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. And so God says to us, open up your mouth and I will fill it in Psalm 89. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, do not worry about what you're going to say or speak because the Holy Spirit will give you words in that selfsame hour. 1 Peter 4, it says, he who speaks, let him speak the very oracles or words of God. God puts his words in our mouth. We not only can speak in other languages after the Holy Ghost has come upon us, but God actually communicates through our known language by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. That's part of the power of God when he says that we will be his witnesses after the Holy Spirit has come upon us. How are we going to be his witnesses if God doesn't give us the words? So God tells us what to speak. God gives us the words. And what you do is just you start opening your mouth, giving your testimony, or starting to share from the Word of God. And as you do that and you yield to the Spirit, God equips you, God uses you. Whom God chooses, He equips. That's basically what God is saying to Jeremiah. And so he stretched out his hand, touched God's, uh, Jeremiah's mouth. Every time I get up to speak, I feel like, a mantle. I feel like a, a, a coat coming on me. I feel an anointing on the inside of me welling up. 
Uh, sometimes I'm afraid of getting up to speak. Sometimes I feel so out of it. Sometimes I could almost feel a minor depression. And then when I come up to speak, I feel the power of God, the anointing of God, the truth of God. I feel the words of God coming out of my mouth. I know that it doesn't emanate from my own subconscious or thoughts or opinions because I'm getting words and teaching. Sometimes I didn't even know myself. A lot of times when I'm preaching and teaching, I'm learning as much as you are because the Spirit of God is teaching the church and I'm learning the same way the church is even though I'm the one preaching. Sometimes people think that I know what I'm preaching and the truth is sometimes I'm prophesying and I don't even know what I'm about to say and I'm learning just like everybody else. And that's what it's talking about in 1 John chapter 2. I think it's verse 18 where he says, uh, verse 21 around there, when he says the anointing that abides in us will teach us all things so that we don't need man to teach us. Doesn't mean that we don't need leaders to teach us. What it's saying is that it's not really those teachers that when they're anointed, it's God teaching us. The power of the Holy Spirit is not just for praying for the sick and it's not just to overcome sin, but it's to give us words to speak and to understand his truth so that we would know what to say and think at the right time and in the right moment. I remember one time I was working in a parking lot down in uh, uh, right where the, uh, the big clock is. I forgot the name of that area there, but I was working at the Brooklyn Academy of Music and I used to go there every Saturday early in the morning to open up before they had shows. And all of a sudden, one morning, I was just reading the sports section in the, the New York Post, as I normally did, and I was only saved about six or eight months, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the anointing of God fell on me. And I said, oh my God, God is preparing me for something that's just about to take place. Within five minutes, four men tried to rob somebody's car, and so, I had the power of God on me, so I went out boldly and I began preaching the gospel to them. I even put my hand on a guy's shoulder as they were trying to break in, and they got scared, and one guy broke down and he started crying. Two of them repented and got saved. The others ran away. Well, that was the anointing of God that was upon me. He was preparing me to speak, to preach. It wasn't in my own strength. I didn't even bother calling 911. And so what we have to understand is the anointing of God comes upon us to speak with power and authority, and it's not emanating from us. We just have to be prepared, and we have to stop doubting, and we have to stop limiting God's calling in our life. And so God said, do not be afraid of men. I'll be with you. I'll rescue you. He stretched out his hand. He touched his mouth, and he said, I put my words in your mouth. In verse 10, so powerful, he says, today I appoint you over nations, wow, and over kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. So as we look at the narrative of the book of Jeremiah, we don't see any instance where he became a political leader. We don't see any instance when he became a king. We don't see any instance when he became a warrior. We don't see any instance when he learned how to use a slingshot or a sword or uh, became something like one of David's mining men who could sl uh, kill giants like Goliath and his brothers. So what did God mean? He says, I'm going to 
call you to tear down, uproot nations to build and to plant. That's showing us the power of the Word of God by preaching, by prophesying, by praying, because this is in the context of God saying, I'm going to put my words in your mouth. Do you realize that we could shift nations through the preaching of the gospel? We could shift nations through what we speak as we are speaking in the Spirit, in prayer, in intercession, in petition. We are called to uproot, in other words, to change and alter the destiny of nations. That's why it tells us in 1 Timothy 2 that if we pray for kings and those in authority, it says we'll live a peaceful and quiet life so the gospel can go forth because God wills that all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so what we understand by 1 Timothy 2 is by implication, by praying for kings and all those in authority, we could stop wars, we could avert war, we could alter the destiny of nations. We actually have a person who did that during World War II. There's an intercessor by the name of Reese Howell, and he would pray 8 to 12 hours a day during the war, and God would show him in the spirit about everything that was about to happen. And he kept praying and praying and praying. And his journal shows that every time he prayed, the British won the battle. And uh, there's a documentary coming out about Reese Howell soon. So the prayers of the saints are powerful. How about Elijah who was able to shut up the heavens, alter the destiny of Israel when he was dealing with Ahab and Jezebel. We see that in 1 Kings chapter 17 through chapter 19. And it tells us in James chapter 5, the prayer of a righteous man is effectual and powerful. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man is powerful. And they use uh, Elijah as an example in James chapter 5, verse 16 and 17, I believe. And so, an awesome thing, you don't have to run for political office to affect the destiny of nations. You could do it by praying, by preaching, by equipping, by prophesying, by speaking out that which God has given you to speak out in the Spirit. There's things happening, and so as we read the book of Jeremiah, we could see through his prophecies, whole empires were moved and planted. Some were destroyed, some were built up, and some new ones were planted by his prophetic gift. Verse 11, before he was called out, though, God had to test him. And the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah said, and he said, what do you see, Jeremiah? So God wanted to know if he was ready it was like the Jedi Knight being trained. They wanted to make sure he was ready before they sent him out to battle. They wanted to make sure he could see what he was hitting, that he could use that lightsaber. So basically God was saying to Jeremiah, what do you see? Meaning, I need to know if you're really hearing my voice. I need to know if it's just your own mind, your own soul, your own human imagination, your own subconscious your own spirit, or is it really my voice? And so before God launches anybody, there has to be a time of testing and proving and mentoring, and especially the body of Christ uh, is there to do that. More mature people who know the Word of God and the voice of God mentor us and help us to discern the voice of God. If you can't be corrected, if you can't be mentored, then you have no right 
to speak in the body of Christ. And so here, God was testing Jeremiah, and Jeremiah said, I see the branch of an almond tree. And the Lord said, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled, meaning I watch over my word. And if you couldn't see the almond tree, then that means you couldn't see anything else I want to give you. If you can't see something in nature, if you can't see something simple that's right in front of you, if you can't see the clear things that God is giving you to see, he can't trust you with bigger things. So here he talks about something small, like an almond tree. Then the word of the Lord came to him again. And he said, what do you see? And he said, I see a pot that is boiling. So evidently God was giving him visions. And he said, it is tilting toward us, meaning Israel, from the north. And the Lord said to me, from the north, meaning from Babylon, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. So the boiling pot was a vision. It symbolized uh, God using Babylon to judge the nation of Judah and Benjamin. He said in verse 15, I'm about to summon all the peoples of the northern kin kingdoms to judge my people. He said, the kings will come and set up their thrones in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. The gates has to do with the place of power. I'll pronounce all my judgments and all my people because of the wickedness in forsaking me by going after other gods. Verse 17, get yourself ready, stand up and say to them whatsoever I command you. And that's the same as what Paul said in Ephesians 6, that we have to uh, gird up our loins. We have to be ready. We have to be ready to stand. And after doing all, stand. Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 17. And he said, do not be terrified by them, meaning the people you're called to prophesy or speak to. And if you're terrified by them, I'm going to terrify you before them, meaning if you operate in fear before them, you're going to embarrass yourself. Trust me. How a man thinks in his heart, so he is. When the, when the Lord sent the spies out in Numbers chapter 12 and 13, chapter 13 rather, to spy out the land that God said I already gave them, it says that they looked at themselves, they viewed themselves as grasshoppers, and because they viewed themselves as grasshoppers, then the giants looked at them as grasshoppers. However you view and perceive yourself will be the reflection that other people see of you. If you think of yourself as somebody who's not worthy to do anything and lowly and you're not called to do anything, don't expect other people to think you are. We have to stop this thinking, thinking. We have to start thinking what God says about us, who we are in Christ. In him, we are the righteousness of God, the wisdom of God, the sanctification of God. Nobody should be judged according to the flesh. From henceforth, he said, even though we judge Christ according to the flesh, now we judge no man according to the flesh. Doesn't matter how small you are, how big you are. Doesn't matter what your background is. In Christ, you're starting again and you could be the next person to shift a whole generation for God. If you'd stop limiting God, at least every one of us is called 
to pray the prayers of faith that can alter our family, alter our friends, our place of business, our church. Everyone has been given a mouth to speak what the word is, uh, the Lord is, and what God has put in our hearts. And so here's the word to all of us as we get ready to close. Get yourself ready. Don't just sit on your butts all day. Don't watch six hours of Netflix. Don't waste your time on Facebook and Instagram all day. Get yourself ready. The, pro the world will be given to those who are prepared. If you're not preparing yourself, if all you're doing is playing around, then when the time comes, either you won't even know it's there or you won't be ready to meet it. So God said to Jeremiah, get yourself ready, stand up and say to them whatsoever I command you. And then he says in verse 18, wow, because Jeremiah allowed God to speak, because he received this commission, because he was able to discern what God was saying accurately when he said, I saw a boiling pot, I saw an almond tree. This is what God said. Verse 18, today I've made you a fortified city. Wow. An iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land. One man was more powerful than the whole nation of Judah to stand against the kings of Judah. He had no political power, but he had more power than the kings. He outlasted all the kings of Judah. Why? Because he had God with him and they didn't. I've called you to be a bronze pillar, to stand against the whole land, against the kings, its officials, the priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you. You will be persecuted. You will have a hard time. There will be some relational difficulties, challenges. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's different things. With much, much tribulation, we will enter the kingdom, it says in the book of Acts chapter 17. They will fight against you, but you will, they will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And so one person in God is more powerful than all the kings and kingdoms of the world. As we close, are you going to receive the word of the Lord for you today? Are you going to keep thinking about yourself the way others think of you? Maybe the way your parents or your friends taunted you growing up. Maybe people belittled you. Maybe people told you you'll never amount to anything. Maybe because you didn't do good in school, people thought you were going to be a failure or a flop. Maybe you just have such low self-esteem and you're filled with so much fear and you don't think there's any place for you in the body of Christ. Well, the good news is Jeremiah thought that too. and God used him to influence the world. He could use you as well. And so let's pray. Father, we pray for every person who needed to hear that message. I pray that you would alter, that you would recalibrate our thinking that you would shift our focus away from our weakness and towards your strength, that we would set our mind on things above and not on the earth, that we would not limit the Holy One of Israel, the Father, that we would lift our eyes above and see who made all the stars, the ever-expanding universe, and how he lives inside of us. 
how we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Because God is with us, who could be against us? And Father, we just come against every spirit of fear and even all the challenges in the mountains and people's lives that have to be removed. We just break those powers of darkness over their mind. And Father, we thank you that through you we could run through a troop, it says in Psalm 27. Through you we have the victory because all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. We thank you that we can walk in our purpose in Jesus' name. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will not be able to even begin to think of your purpose because your purpose cannot be fulfilled without Christ in you. And so, if you want Jesus, you need to believe that he died for your sins, that he rose from the dead. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Because you're listening, I believe you probably already have some knowledge of the cross, of who Jesus is. Perhaps you're a backslider. Perhaps you once served God, but you've fallen away. Well, right now, I want you to pray this prayer of recommitment, or maybe it's the first time you're praying it. But we're going to speak with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We're going to believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And according to God's word, you are saved. So let's pray that prayer. Say after me, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for me. You were punished for my sins. You took your, my sins upon yourself. And you rose from the dead three days later. Because you're alive, I could ask you in my life. I give you my heart. Please come in my life. I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, Jesus also said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. In order to continue, you need the body of Christ to help you, so please let us know you prayed that prayer or recommitted your life to Christ. Give us your contact info. We'll get in touch with you, and we'll help you with your next steps in this journey. This is Bishop Joseph Matera signing off. We love you and hope to see you at one of our services. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.